Psalm 42 in verse one, it says, as a deer longs for flowing streams, so I long for you, God. I thirst for you, the living God. When can I come and appear before you? My tears have been my food day and night, while all day long people say to me, where is your God? I remember this as I pour out my heart, how I walked with many, leading the festive procession to the house of God with joyful and thankful shouts. Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. God, bless us in your presence today. Be so close to us. Holy Spirit, translate to each heart as we have need today. Give us this day our daily bread so that we'll have everything that we need for life and godliness in you. I thank you for your faithfulness to do that for us. And I thank you for the blessing of being able to hold your word in our laps. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we've been talking about the soul covering just a few things again. We have one. We are one, right? Scripture says in Genesis that God breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils and he became a soul alive. We have one and it's important. And we've talked about that what we can get in life and what we can do in life isn't as important as what we become. And we got that from the Savior himself when he said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but forfeits, loses his soul. And then last week we read in Proverbs where it says, above all else, guard your heart or guard your heart with all diligence because out of it flows the issues of life or it is the source of life in you. And we talked about how our soul is needy, right? We're unlimited in only one way and that's in our desires, in our needs. Every other way in life we're limited except for our needs, Our soul is needy, and the first thing that it needs is a keeper, and he has given us that charge, that work to do with his help in this life. And to be the keeper of something, to care for it, to tend for it, we have to better understand it, right? If you didn't know anything about an automobile, you wouldn't know what fuel it ran on or even where to put it, would you? Wouldn't know anything about where to go to get it filled up. So first step to caring for something is understanding. And that's some of the things we're walking through as we're talking about the things that our soul needs. And all of the needs are found their right satisfaction, their right uh, fulfillment in him. And today, out of this passage, one thing our soul needs is our soul needs to hear truth. Our soul needs to hear truth. Truth, we see here in Psalm 42, this image, first of all, he paints this beautiful picture of a deer that longs for flowing streams. And you got to remember, they had a different, uh, you know, climate than what we have, different geography than what we have, would have been drier than what we're used to, right? So a deer longing for the flowing stream would have been a picture of, you know, tongue hanging out of its mouth, you know, seeking after water. I am past parched. I am thirsty. I thirst. Where is the water? He says, as a deer longs for the flowing stream, so I or so my soul longs 
for you, oh God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and appear before him? So we have this picture of a longing soul, right? We're unlimited in our need and we need him completely. We see this image and then we see that that is heightened by difficulty, The writer of this psalm is going through difficult times. It says, my tears have been my food day and night. I can't stop crying. While all day people say to me, where is your God? He said, I've just been crying. What's been going on is so heavy on me that I haven't been able to stop weeping. And people look at me, they look at me in my life and they're like, where is your God? Where is the one you say that you trust in? He's going through difficult times in his life. And, and, and yet he says, my soul longs after God. Times are difficult. And then verse five, one that we're familiar with, why are you dejected, oh my soul? Why, my soul, are you so dejected and why are you in such turmoil or why so downcast, oh, my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Why, why have you lost your, 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 your peace, your quiet that is normally at work in my soul? Why are you so dejected or downcast? Why, why are you experiencing this turmoil, just everything stirred? Why are you so stirred up on the inside? The psalmist is talking to himself to his own soul, talking to himself. And we see this in scripture. We, we see it happen over and over. And then we know in our own life that that's one of the things that we do is we talk to ourselves, right? Some of us do it more than others. Some of us do it out loud more than others. I do it a lot, good and bad and in between. You've all heard that before where you've been in kind of in the room by yourself and you're talking and then somebody else comes in like, were you talking to me? No. Well, was there somebody in here? Who were you talking to? I was talking to myself. And then they'll always say, well, are you, just don't answer yourself. You know, I was like, why is that any worse? Like I'm the one, I'm all, it's all wrapped around here. This is what I'm doing. I, I, but I'll verbalize things when I'm in the room, even by myself. And we see that in scriptures. We know it in ourself uh, that we will talk to ourselves. And we see the psalmist here talking to himself. And, and the first thing I want to bring out just out of this short uh, few verses today is that a longing soul is listening a longing soul, which we all have. We can all identify with the way he's speaking about his soul here. We can all identify with that. Even this morning, a longing soul is listening. It's listening. And so he's asking these questions of his own soul. Why are you so dejected? Why are you downcast? Why are you despairing? Why are you in so much turmoil? Why are you so stirred up? And then he also gives his soul direction. He gives his soul direction. It says, put your hope in God. I will still praise him. So now notice in the difficulty, the psalmist defines his situation or the circumstance with truth instead of just accepting what the circumstance or the situation has to say about itself. Did you see that? He's defining the circumstance. He's telling it's his own soul what kind of state it's in and then what needs to be done about it instead of just accepting the definition or the shape of things from the circumstance itself or what's being offered by the evidence of what he sees. 
the evidence of what he's going through. Again, he said, my tears have been my food all day and night. People even say, tell me, where is your God? You're, you're, you're just in the pits. What's going on? He said, I remember being happy. My soul, why are you sad within me? Why are you downcast within me? Hope in God, I will yet praise him. We see him saying, I need, I long for God. People are doubting him because of me and because of my circumstance. And he calls some things out. He calls out his difficulty. He he calls out how he's been glad before and he's not glad right now. And then he calls out his own soul. Why are you dejected within me? Why are you in such turmoil? And then he gives direction, which is the hope in God. So a longing soul is listening. And one thing that we've learned is our soul is looking to be comforted right? We learned that from Asaph, Psalm 77, when he said, I'm going through all of this. I, I can't sleep at night, but my soul is refusing to be comforted, comforted by anything less than God Almighty himself. Our soul is listening and looking for comfort, and we can easily look to lesser things, right? We've talked about that. We're going to talk about it more, just not this morning. Our soul, your mind is so powerful in its ability to picture things, isn't it? You can take a situation as you see it in the beginning and you can project what you think it's gonna look like at the end. You can imagine it in yourself and picture it very vividly, so vividly that it'll affect you physically, right? You'll either get excited, oh man, that's gonna be great, oh, I can't believe that's gonna be awesome, or, oh my gosh, Oh my gosh, that's going to, oh, hold on. Oh, wow. You know, because your mind is so powerful at being able to picture things. Your soul thinks in pictures. Your mind's able to carry forward from what it considers the situation to be right here to an end. Whether that is the end or not, your mind is able to do that. It's amazing. And it's also problematic. For the same reason, it's a problem for us that our soul is needy, not because of its neediness, but because of our fallenness and our tendency to walk uh, on our own without God Almighty. A longing soul will listen, especially when it's in distress, looking for comfort. And how many messages are there out there for your soul to listen to? So many, right? There's so many things that you can listen to and take in, so many versions of a situation, so many things out there, so many, and how many of them are godly? How many of them are uplifting? How many of them are encouraging to your soul, and how many of them are otherwise? How many messages are out there? Our soul is listening, and our soul especially when we're in distress or in difficulty, is looking for comfort. Now you have, you know, they say what's the most important thing in retail, location, location, location. You have a very important location here is because you're closer to your soul than anybody else. It was your first companion. You're with yourself all the time, every day, every waking minute you are there. We're closer to our soul than anyone else. And most of all, uh, uh, the, the, most of any, the most anything a person can know is their own soul. It even compares that to how uh, Jesus knows God just like a man knows his own soul best. The, the spirit knows God the way that our heart knows itself 
best. We're closest to our own soul. And we talk to ourselves more than we talk to others. A longing soul is listening. So we need to endeavor with the psalmist not to let our situation or our circumstances or our condition, our emotions have the last word. Have you ever heard that? Having the last word, something that Kelly and I figured out, well, she's not in here, so I can share this freely. We figured out very early on in us getting to know one another. I'm talking, even when we were teenagers, we figured this out, is that we both like to have the last word. Especially if there is any type of disagreement going on. We each want to be the last one to say whatever it is we have to say. Even, it would happen, you know, one would be in the room, you know, we'd been having a disagreement about something. The other one would walk in the room, say their piece, well, just so you know, this and this and this. All right. And try to get out. And the other one get up and go, hold on. I thought we were done. No, you're not going to get to, right? And y'all may be that way. You may not be. And we've gotten better about that as time has gone on. But there's still that pull to have the last word in a disagreement. Because it's a chance for your opinion to be the last thing that's said about that situation. To have the last word is pretty important. We were wanting to be the one to set that final definition on whatever that argument was, whatever that disagreement was, whatever the question was. We wanted to be, each one of us wanted to be the one who had the final say on the definition or the shape of that circumstance, of that situation. We wanted to call something what it was and we thought that meant that we got to win the argument. We wanted to call something, we wanted to define it, call it what it was. And the psalmist shows us that we need to have a similar attitude when it comes to the messaging that our soul is hearing. If you, he says that, why are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God for I will still praise him, my savior and my God. He gives the definition, then he also gives the direction. And that's not the only time that he says that. You could jump down to verse 11 and he says it again in Psalm 43. He says it again. It's repetitive over and over. He's like, this is going to be the last word in this situation is my soul. Why are you feeling this way? Hope in God. I will yet praise him. He continues to repeat the same thing. A longing soul is a listening soul. And somebody, something is going to have the final word in what our soul hears. Something is going to define the situation and direct the response. When that definition is provided, is it going to be the truth? Is it going to be the truth See, we're learning something about uh, acknowledging or calling something by its name. To call something for call something what it is. There was a study that I, as I was going through some of this, I, I came across it. I came across a writing about it. A scientific study. Researchers took two different groups of people, and they showed them all uh, pictures of angry faces. 
So they, they took a whole, you know, photo out, just pictures of people's faces with angry expressions. You know, so you can picture that. Just, mm, uh, uh, uh. Like you see people in the checkout at Walmart or driving in truck. You just see there's angry looking faces. And, and one of the groups, the first group, they told them, just look at these faces. I just want you to look at these faces. And they were asked later to measure their emotions. And I think there was even some type of uh, device attached to them to, to kind of measure emotional response in the brain. And so they tell the first group, just look at these pictures. Just look at them. That's all we want you to do is look at them and we're going to measure your emotion. And then the second group, they said, we want you to look at these pictures and we want you to label the emotions that you see in the picture. We want you to name the emotions that you see in each one of these faces. And what they found out is that the second group who got to label the emotions, who got to call something by its name, their emotion was reduced and the emotional impact on their mind was reduced. It it lowered the activation of the brain region associated with strong base emotions. They were less emotional about seeing the anger on the faces of these people. They, they felt less like they needed to respond to it simply by labeling it and calling it what it was. By saying, that person's angry. That's an angry face right there. Somehow, in the way that our brain is wired, Being able to have that last word just between them and the picture to be able to say, you're angry, brought them a measure of peace. So it testifies to the statement that we've always heard is that confession or to speak something out of your mouth is good for the soul. And the psalmist shows us that as well. When you call something what it is and you give definition, he said to his soul, why are you downcast? Why are are you feeling so much turmoil? Why are you disquieted within me? And then he gave the direction, hoping God, I'll still praise him. He's my savior and he is my God. What we learn there is we need to speak definition and direction to our own soul. When we see these things beginning to rise up on the inside of us, we need to be ready to call it what it is. We we need to say, oh, okay. Okay. So that's anger. Why are you angry? Or, oh, okay. That's, that's lust or that's jealousy. Why, why are you feeling that away? Calling it what it is. That, that's that's, I'm pretty sure that's pride. That's pride that I'm feeling right now welling up in me. Why am I feeling prideful? And it seems silly at first to, to say that, that you would say, my soul, why are you angry on the inside of me? But it's clear and our own soul would testify that when we provide a truthful definition about how we're feeling, and then associate that with hopeful or holy direction, it changes us. It can change the circumstance from the inside out to call it what it is. I'm angry right now. Usually we don't want to do that. What do we want to do? We want to put on somebody else how we're feeling. You did this to me. You made me feel this way instead of just saying, I'm angry. Why am I feeling that way? 
I'm afraid. Why am I feeling that away? My soul, why are you downcast within me? And then when we define something biblically and then we direct it biblically from him. So why are you downcast, oh my soul, when you have a God in heaven who's good? Why? Why are you prideful when you've got so much to be humble about? What are you prideful for today? Why are you feeling like it revolves around you today? You know that you've got so much reason in him to be humble. Why are you fighting angrily instead of forgiving like his word told you to do? Why are you doing that? His word said to cease from anger and forsake wrath. Why are you wrapping yourself up in anger to keep yourself warm? Why are you doing this? My soul, not coming at you, not coming at somebody else, but starting first here. Here's the way I'm feeling. Acknowledging this is the way I'm feeling and then providing biblical, truthful direction. My soul, why are you feeling so worthless when the maker of the stars knows your name? Why are you feeling like you need validation from somebody else when he has called you his beloved? Why are you disquieted in me, hoping God, I will yet praise him? How often do we speak to ourselves? And how often do we speak to ourselves, our own soul, in a way that he would never speak to us? How often do we use language about ourselves that he would never, ever use in talking about us? Have you ever made a mistake with something? You're just there by yourself and you're like, you big stupid. What did you even do that for? How come on? What? It was over here the whole time. What are you looking up? Right? Am I the only one that does that? I'm tempted to just go, well, you big idiot. It was right there the whole time. What are you doing? What were you thinking? Right? Why am I talking to myself in a way that he would never ever speak to me? Why am I calling myself awful? Why am I calling myself terrible? Why am I saying those things about myself when he would never say that about me? Why am I cutting myself down? Not in humility, not being humble, but inflicting pain on myself because I don't like who I am, the way that I am, or what I did. Why am I doing that to myself when he would not do that to me? He hasn't said that to me. He doesn't say those things about me. Remember, our soul is needy and it's longing and it's listening. And we are defining our days and directing our soul into tomorrow. Scripture talks about speaking life and speaking death. Speaking blessing, James talks about that. Speaking blessing or cursing. He's like, it's trying to have sweet water and bitter water coming out of the same fountain. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. Again, last week, guard your heart in Proverbs 4. But he also says, don't let your mouth speak dishonestly. Don't let your mouth speak dishonestly or your lips talk deviously. You know what I hear in that? Don't, don't talk dishonestly. How should you talk? Truthfully. You should speak the truth. You should speak the truth as he has given it to us. Remember, I'm almost done. It's not a lot today, but it's a lot today. A longing soul listens. It's listening. 
is listening. Your soul is listening right now. Your soul is listening when you're driving in your car. Your soul is listening when you're laying in the bed. Your soul is listening and it's wanting comfort. And if you don't provide the right comfort, it's going to seek it out somewhere else. And every other way is going to be destructive for you. A longing soul listens. Who or what will have the final word? Who or what's going to provide definition? You or some, some outside force? You or some outside circumstance? You or some outside person? Who's getting to define the situation as you see it? The psalmist defined it for himself. Why are you so downcast? Don't, don't be afraid to speak the truth. Why are you, so why are you sad today? Why am I sad today? Let me get to the bottom of that. In here, let me get to the bottom of that. Why am I sad today when I've got so much I could bless the Lord about? Why am I sad today? Who's going to have the final word? And the final word from us needs to be to speak life and not death. Because you are listening. You're speaking. You're also listening. And you talk to yourself more than anybody else. And please, 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 please do not beat yourself up with accusations and condemnations that he canceled on the cross. Do not beat yourself up and call yourself names that he doesn't call you. Don't say things about yourself that he doesn't say about you. He speaks a better word over us. He speaks a better word over us. And just like we read last week, we guard our heart so that we speak truthfully and not dishonestly. And that's not, we're not just concerned about that in our interactions with one another, but in our interactions within our own self, our own soul to say, my emotions aren't going to have the final word here. Uh, what I thought yesterday isn't going to have the final word here. What, what my supervisor said isn't going to have the final word here. What my parents told me about myself isn't going to have the final word here. I'm going to define that and I'm going to say that was wrong. What he says is right. And then I'm going to direct it and say, why are you feeling this away? Hoping God, I will yet praise him. I will yet praise him. And listen, I told you he had to say that multiple times just in that song. This isn't going to be a deal where you just go, okay, better thought, better thought. All right, here we go. Now I'm all better. Now everything's fine. I'm so glad Stephen told me to think a better thought. I'm so glad he told me to speak the better word over myself. We're good now. I'll probably be good for a couple years. That was a good word. What's he doing? He's having to repeatedly apply the truth because the dishonesty repeatedly presents itself in front of me. The untruths repeatedly present themselves in front of me to get me to think about myself in a way he wouldn't think about me, to speak about myself in a way he doesn't speak about me, and to consider myself unlovable when he demonstrated his great love for me. And it's over, and it's over, and it's over. I'm going to provide the definition and the direction, and thankfully, because that's not enough power in itself, just me, my own. It, it, it comes through him. And he's working in those words. He's working in that truth to bring about 
the future and the hope that he has promised me. Do not beat yourself up with accusations that he's canceled at the cross. Do not sit under condemnation from your own heart that he has relieved you of. Don't be trying to search in your pockets to pay a bill that he's already marked paid out of his own account. Your soul is needy and it needs a keeper and it needs someone who will keep the truth in front of it. And who better than you? You're there all the time. You live on site. You are most available to your own soul because you're always there. And you may say, what if I don't have anything good to say about myself? What if I don't have anything good to say about me? What if I don't have that definition like the psalmist had? And I want you to turn with me to Psalm 103. And I'm thankful I've got just a little bit of time. I can read all of it. Psalm 103, the psalmist said, my soul, bless the Lord, or bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. My soul, bless the Lord, and do not forget all his benefits. He forgives all your iniquity. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. He satisfies you with good things. Your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord executes acts of righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He revealed his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love. He will not always accuse us or be angry forever. He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve. Come on. He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve or repaid us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his faithful love toward those who fear him as far as the east is from the west. So far he has removed our transgressions from us as a father has compassion on his children So the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows what we're made of, remembering that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He blooms like a flower of the field. When the wind passes over it, it vanishes and its place is no longer known. But from eternity to eternity, the Lord's faithful love is toward those who fear him. And his righteousness toward the grandchildren of those who keep his covenant, who remember to observe his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, all his angels of great strength who do his word, obedient to his command. Bless the Lord, all his armies, his servants who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all the places where he rules. My soul, bless the Lord. When we don't have a good thing to say about ourselves, we need to go to what scripture says about him. 
We need to go to what scripture says about him. He is the highest authority. So when he speaks well of me, I can believe it above what anybody else would say, above what any other report would come in. What he says is the highest authority in the final word. So I make his final word my final word to my soul. And I, and I ask, why are you angry? Why are you disquieted? Why are you at turmoil hoping God? Hope in God, the one who loves you. Hope in God, the one who stands from eternity to eternity. Hope in God, the one who's given us everything that we need for life and godliness. Hope in God. I will yet praise him. And again, he wasn't in a happy place. He was in a very difficult spot and he didn't recover immediately, but he did recover. He was able to say, I was glad before. I'm not glad right now. Why am I not glad right now? Lord, I know you're not going to fail me. I know you're not going to leave me right here. I know it's not over for me because you've told me that it's not. Hope in God, soul. Bless the Lord. I will yet praise him. We repeat what it says about him because the more clearly we see him, the more we believe in who he is is. And we, when we believe fully in who he is, we can believe more fully what he says about us. And we can stop speaking those things, again, that he would never say about you. Don't own a description that he would not use to describe you. Rest in the one that he has given you. Because when you're able to see yourself as he sees you, that's, that, that's when we talk about seeing through the eyes of faith. We're talking about seeing the way that God sees. Seeing himself the way he sees himself and seeing me the way that he sees me. First in my sin and then in Christ. A new creation where old things have passed away and all things he is creating new. I see him more clearly And then I can see myself the way that he sees me. Amen. And again, it's not one good thought and you're better. It's not one good word and you're better because the competing voices are going to be there for the rest of your life. It's slowly, one day at a time, one thought at a time, one comment at a time to yourself, reinforcing the truth and forcing out all the deception that would come from the world all the other messaging that would be contrary to what he says about you. Why are you downcast, oh my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. I will yet praise him. You get to, as the keeper of your soul, provide the definition. Call it by its name. When you call out anger in you, it has an effect. When you call out jealousy in you, it has an effect. When you call out pride in you, it has an effect. And then you provide the direction and you say, God, help me. I was in pride trying to do this by myself and it made me afraid. Help me see with eyes of faith that I can rely on you, trust in you, that you are the author and the finisher of the faith that you put on the inside of me. You're going to bring to pass the good work that you have begun in me from glory to glory. And I thank you I can rest in that. And then you'll have to do it again when pride tries to well back up. But as you reinforce that over and over and over. Just like you're patching holes when stuff keeps getting in the house. You patch another hole. You patch another one. You patch another one. You'll find yourself dealing with it less and resting in him more. Amen. 
Why so downcast? Oh, my soul, put your hope in God because I will yet praise him. Bless the Lord. Oh, and we're going to talk about this one too because our soul needs to bless. We don't have time today, but bless the Lord. Oh, my soul and all that is within me, every part of me, bless his holy name and forget not all his benefits. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that in our turmoil and in our disquiet, you have given us definition for our situations and you have given us direction. And Father, it's not a one quick pill, easy fix, but we find rest for our souls when we rest in you. God, help us to see you more clearly as we pursue you on all the avenues of grace that you've made available to us that we'll see you as big as you are. Let our eyes be full of you this morning. Let our hearts be glad in you today. However we came in, I thank you that we can provide that definition from scripture to our soul, empowered by you to put our hope and our trust in you to praise you. And we'll see you begin to turn things around to bring your kingdom to pass in us so that you can bring it to pass around us and then through other areas through us. You can, you can engage right where we are with the truth of your word. Father, forgive us when we've spoken words about ourselves that you would not speak. When we've condemned ourselves, when we don't stand condemned in you, you've called us to repent. You've not called us to walk under condemnation. And that's a tool and a strategy of the enemy. And we refuse to be comforted by burdening ourselves with condemnation. We find our comfort and our rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. The one that we read about in Colossians, the firstborn of all creation in whom all your glory dwell. And through him, you have transferred us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We're not going to keep talking to ourselves like we're in the dark when you have turned on the light in our souls. Thank you for wisdom. Thank you for strength. Thank you for being able to call something what it is, even in our own heart and provide definition. God, as we get ready to go today, I thank you that we go in peace and unity with one another. Into a new week, a gift from you. This life is a gift from you and you are a good giver. And I thank you that as we get to engage each day this week that you have made, that we'll rejoice and we will be glad in it. I thank you for the strength that we'll find that is sufficient in you. Your grace sufficient for us. Your strength made perfect in our weakness. And I thank you that you are growing us, our sight on you and our sight on ourselves, that we're beginning to see ourselves the way that you see us and speak the better words from you into our own hearts. And we're able to see that grow and flourish and prosper in us from the inside out. Thank you for your goodness towards us in Jesus name.